0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by a special guest. He is one of the few members of the New York Jets beat who has not appeared yet on Play Like a Jet. So I reached out and asked if he would want to come on. And he said... Eh, I guess so, I had to twist his arm a little bit (laughs) And so, here he is The great beat reporter for the record At NorthJersey.com One of my favorites, Andy Vasquez Andy, what's going on, buddy?
0: Hey, Scott, thanks for having me on, man Appreciate
1: it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been looking forward to having you on for a while. Like I said, you're one of the few that hasn't appeared on the program yet. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I want to talk Jets with you, I am also tempted to talk a little Nets with you because you did cover the Nets before you covered the Jets, and now all of a sudden the Nets are the big story. I think that there's something to the fact that teams that are once covered by Andy Vasquez eventually become winners and good things happen for them. So I'm thinking – the Nets are gonna end up winning an NBA championship and the Jets are gonna win a Super Bowl. What do you think of my theory?
0: Yeah, as soon as I leave, the Jets should be one of the best teams in football and have <laughs> most of the, the biggest stars come commit to them. So that is something uh Jets fans have to look forward to whenever I uh come off the beat. I don't I don't foresee that happening anytime soon, I'm sorry to say. But you know, maybe maybe may my streak of uh <laughs> five consecutive years covering a losing team will will snap this year. It should be interesting to see.
1: Let's hope so. And I do have to ask this on a serious note as far as the NBA and the NFL. I was curious what you thought about this being somebody that's covered both leagues. A lot of people had their heads turned by these contracts that were handed out. I believe Damian Lillard got $49 million a year. All this money is guaranteed. Some football players were making comments about this. I know Nicole Lynn, who is Quinton Williams' agent, was saying that she could see some sort of strike coming down the line if something doesn't happen here. She's just speculating. It's not like she was trying to start any trouble, but... In my mind, if I were an NFL player and I was seeing this, I would absolutely be saying, all right, we better get something going with the players' union here because this is ridiculous. Even the best quarterbacks aren't getting anywhere near the kind of guaranteed money that some of these pretty good, not even great NBA players are getting. Al Horford got more guaranteed money than the best NFL quarterbacks.
0: I mean, I just think it's such a different situation and the the leagues are so different that it's always going to be hard for the NFL to get... On the level of the NBA has gotten, just because you have so many more players in the locker room, and when there's 15 guys in an NBA locker room, uh, it's a lot easier to get everyone on the and, and all of them making pretty good money. I, nobody makes less than a million. Um, it's it's a lot easier to get all of them on the same page in terms of collective bargaining and, and what they're willing to stand accept and what they're not willing to accept. I think the problem the NFL is always going to have is that there's 10 maybe less guys in every locker room or fewer guys in every locker room who are going to be willing to sit out and willing to strike and willing to say, like, let's get us that money because they have that security. And then the other 43 guys, I mean, their window to make it in the NFL is only a, a couple years, and, and everyone thinks they're going to to make it and get that big contract, so they're not going to be as willing to, you know, strike and and, and stay on the same page and and, you know, have a long kind of labor disagreement that causes games being missed um i think that's really what the, the big difference is and i think um you know it's going to be hard for the nfl and all their players never get on the same page and do that so yeah it's not it's quite fair but um i think you know they're going to have to make smaller concessions uh go for something smaller i, I don't think the day in the nfl where Garrett, fully guaranteed contracts for everyone is is soon or close
1: certainly true, which is why if you 're a player, you want to do everything you can to avoid being injured. I mean you do want to do everything that you can to avoid being injured, regardless even if you have a guaranteed contract. But even more incentive if your contract is not fully guaranteed, which is the case for somebody like Robbie Anderson, who, by the way, is on a one-year deal essentially because he was signed <laughs> to a restricted free agent tender. And I want to talk about him because nobody knows for sure. There have been conflicting reports about whether or not he was hurt, but he participated in this race that Chad Johnson set up, and he won the first round and pulled himself out. So what exactly happened there to the best of your knowledge?
0: It's interesting on a, on a number of levels. Because the, the Jets, while they have three good receivers, they have no depth at receivers. So if there were to be some sort of injury to to a guy like Robbie Anderson, it would definitely hurt them and set them back. And it wouldn't be a, a, a good situation at all. So it, it's a little surprising that he participated in this at all and that the Jets approved it. And, you know, maybe after running the first round, it didn't look like he was hurt. Um, but maybe he just didn't want to, you know, risk any further injury. And maybe somebody got to him and, and you know, talked to him, or, or it came to his attention at that exact moment, you know, how important the season is for him because he can play himself into a big contract if he has a big year, and if he has an injury plagued year and, and struggles, he's going to be, you know, in a similar situation next year where he's not going to have the money. So it, it's it is surprising to me that he played a part in it and it will be interesting to see going forward there's still you know three weeks until training camp starts Uh, I don't think we'll really know anything for sure until we see who's on the field on July 25th uh, day of the first practice but it's something to watch because it's such an important year for Robbie and such an important year for or such an important position for the Jets, uh, they need to have all three of those guys healthy for as much as possible.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
1: Such a strange thing for Robbie Anderson to do in the first place. If I was the Jets, I would have specifically asked him not to do it. I'm not sure if it's prohibited in his contract, but it should be. And if I were the Jets, going forward, I would make sure that nobody does something like this, especially somebody who relies on his speed like Robbie Anderson. But somebody who doesn't rely exclusively on his speed, is Quentin Williams, the number three overall pick in the 2019 mm-hmm. draft. He is the top-rated rookie in Madden football. Andy, I know some people are going to say this doesn't mean anything, but I want you to tell me why it actually means everything.
0: <laughs> well, I do think that it speaks highly that the Jets made the right decision in drafting this guy. I mean, he was widely regarded as one of the best talents in the draft. Um, and I know a lot of just fans wanted them to, to maybe trade down and, and try to get a, an, an edge rusher or, or maybe a center or something else. But I think, you know, even though Michael McKagan is gone, it's hard to fault him. It's easy to fault him for a lot of picks. It's hard to fault him for this one. And, and however meaningless or meaningful this is, it is more confirmation that, you know, Quinn Williams is highly regarded and, and probably, although not, the most neat position the Jets had. Um, drafting him was probably the safest pick and, and something that Jets fans should feel good about.
1: Let the record show that Joe Blood and I were right at the front of the Quinn and Williams train along with Michael Nania and my buddy Chris Walker. Let the record show that now, but if Quinn Williams doesn't live up to the hype, then <laughs> do not let the record show that. Fair enough. <laughs> I will say this, though. Obviously, the Madden rating is encouraging, but it doesn't prove anything beyond the fact that it's fun to talk about. And I do enjoy all these little Madden things like the Madden curse and the Madden ratings and everybody talking about that. It just goes to show you that this time of year when everybody's itching for training camp, they'll make a story about just about anything. But I did think it was kind of funny that Quinton Williams was the number one rated rookie, even ahead of the two guys that were taken before him, Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa. So, Andy, with that out of the way, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you're working on now because leading into training camp, you're writing about all the different positional battles going on with the Jets and what we should look forward to as we get ready for training camp to start. So, why don't you take me through what your first entry was?
0: Well, yeah, NorthJersey.com, uh, definitely check out our coverage first of all. But for every uh, every other weekday going forward, we're going to have positional previews so uh with special teams to start off and we're going to go through all the defensive positions all the offensive positions and kind of look at you know every position group what the battles are who the favorites to win the job and, and what the big question marks are going into the season so we started with special teams uh and that's obviously a very interesting position for the jets right now because it was their best position group by far last year they were the best in the nfl according to a couple of rankings and um they've lost two of their pro bowlers, uh Andre Roberts and and uh Jason Myers. So there's obviously Cat and Zoro back coming back from twenty seventeen is the favorite to to earn the job. He's the only kicker on the roster right now. But that I mean he was terrible last year after going through injuries and, and Tampa and Carolina. He had a he had a bad year. And that's it would be very jet if they have put together a strong offense and lose games because of a, a kicker. So I, I think if he struggles at all during training camps, they're going to have to bring in someone else. And that, that's something interesting to watch. And then the return battle, um, you know, the Jets Roberts handled both last year and, and kickoffs and did a great job at a level, level. Obviously the Jets feel like they can plug someone else to that position and get somewhat similar results. because they, they clearly didn't want to pay him. And, um, it's going to be interesting. There's not really a clear-cut favorite to to find a replacement for him. I mean, I think there's a bunch of guys in the mix. Like, you know, Trenton Cannon wants to keep a spot on the roster. He, he better have a strong performance. It looks like they're going to have him focus on returning kicks, not punts, because he's he's really struggled with that. As anyone who watched preseason games or has been out to camp saw last year. Um, you know, Greg Dorch is another interesting guy to watch. It got a lot of speed and explosiveness. Maybe he can you know, make an impact as an undrafted rookie. But that race is wide open, and, you know, if the Jets are going to find success, they're going to have to have their special teams play at a similar level to where they did last year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of replicate that with a relatively different cast.
3: This is the
1: Overtime
0: Podcast Network.
1: I want to play a little bit of a spoiler game here. I know that you're going to be releasing this as written content, but audio content and written content are a little different. So we could get away with talking a little bit more about some of the other positions that you're writing about,
0: right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So in that case... Let's talk a little bit about quarterback. We all know what's going to happen with Sam Darnold. He's obviously the starter. What do you foresee with him as far as strides he may try to make in training camp, and then going into the season, and then the battle behind Sam Darnold for the second and third quarterback spots?
0: Yeah, well, I think first of all, it's I think you know Sam has a lot of you know he doesn't he's not your typical twenty two year old, so I think it's easy for us to forget that he's in a tough situation. I mean, he's in his second year in the league. He's on his second offense. He's, he's different, very different than the offense that was run last year. He's, he's dealing with a new personality and his head coach and um, a new personality and, and the quarterback's coach. It's a lot to adjust to for a young player, and he there's going to be some struggles. That doesn't mean he's going to have a bad season, but there are going to be some moments where, uh, he struggles and I think, you know, people need to be aware of the situation he's in. But I think also he, if he can take a step forward, I mean, the Jets could be pretty good this year. It, it's, a, it's a lot to put on one player, but the quarterback position is so important and whatever, you know, stride Sam makes uh, that's going to determine kind of how good the Jets are this year. But I think the things you want to look out for is, is he making quick decisions? Um, are his, does, do his feet look calm in the pocket? Does he look like he's rushed? Does he look like he's comfortable? Um, I think those are going to be some of the really very early indicators in training camp once they, they get in pads that I'm going to be looking out for because if he's making quick decisions, hitting the right check downs, taking the risks at the right time, it, that shows that he understands the offense. And, and that is really going to be the biggest uh, you know key to his success this year is being comfortable in this offense. But of course, um, you know, there's a lot of other factors in in terms of how strong is the offensive line around him? How many of his weapons stay healthy? Does someone else emerge as a receiver? Uh, does someone else emerge as a tight end weapon? So there, there, there are a lot of, you know, questions and uncertainty going into it, but I would expect him given what we saw in the last four games of last season and how he, you know, went more than a hundred throws without, throwing an interception in the year, I think all of that is encouraging and shows that he's on the right path. You just need to see that kind of progress going forward.
1: You talked about the weapons around him and how there are all kinds of questions. So let's try to answer some of them. What are your thoughts on the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, the skill position guys that Darnold is going to have as his targets making plays for him in 2019?
0: Well, obviously, Le'Veon Bell adding him is, a potential game changer. Um, I mean, that's a huge question mark going into the season. Is Le'Veon Bell the same guy? But that's a, that's a, a totally different discussion. But if he's anywhere near what he was, just his presence alone should open up things for Donald and make him more comfortable. Um, and then, you know, having Bilal Powell back, I think this is the kind of role where Powell can have the most success—a backup role. Every time the carries and touches seem to stack up for him, he seems to deal with some injury problems. So maybe they can get some of that explosiveness, uh, you know, in limited, in limited doses. Um, and then I think, you know, when you look at the receivers, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunla, uh, Jamison Crowder are all solid guys, all versatile. Um, I think you'll see more out of them this year. I, th- I don't think it'll be only bubble screens. To, to Quincy. I don't think it'll be running straight downfield to Robbie. I think, you know, with both those guys, I think you might see Quincy on the outside more. You might see Robbie getting the ball in situations where he can use his speed to his advantage with the ball in his hand. You know, maybe some quick screens and stuff like that. And and then obviously Crowder's kind of a utility guy and and his, you know, speed and ability to create space is going to be good. But after that, there aren't a lot of like I think there's only a couple guys on the roster who ever scored a touchdown in their career. So who else is going to step up? And there's not like a name that jumps out at you. But but a couple years ago, Bobby Anderson was that guy who kind of uh, came out of nowhere. So it, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. And then with the tight ends, Herndon obviously established himself uh, as a as a strong tight end last year and had a good relationship with Arnold, which is important still remains to be seen if he's going to be suspended before the season after pleading guilty to that DWI. Um, so that could be something that could be kind of a, a weak spot to start the season. And then uh, the guy I'm interested to see is Wesco, you know, the, the draft pick. Um, I know he was drafted as a blocking guy, but from what I've read and what I've seen, he has good hands and I think there's some more potential there to kind of expand his game and maybe to be, you know, an option, catch passes, and get some big gains. I mean, they did it over the last couple of years. The Jets, you know, had some some plays set up for Tomlinson where he made, you know, big plays, surprising games. I think this guy is going to be a lot more effective as a pass catcher than, than Tomlinson. I mean, that's not a high bar to clear. But <laughs> um, I, I'm really interested to kind of watch his progress, especially if he has a big role early in the season if, if Herndon's out.
3: unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Andy, if these guys are going to be able to make plays to help Sam Darnold, it's going to be because the offensive line was able to give Donald a little bit of time to throw and open up some holes for Le'Veon Bell and the running backs. Talk to me a little bit about what you see happening with the offensive line. And you mentioned Wesco. Do you think that he'll help the offensive line a solid amount in his rookie season in 2019?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, he he's big enough and strong enough to make an immediate impact. It's going to depend on how how he grasps the schemes, right? So, that, that's, that's going to be important. But for me, when I look at, when I, I hear people say that deaths are going to be a lot better this year, I look at that offensive line and it worries me because they're one injury away from having a, they already have one career backup starting in center. They're one injury away from having another unestablished guy start in one of the other positions. Um, and then, you know, that could be a big problem. Uh, there's just not a lot of depth after the five starters. And, and like I said, there's serious questions about Jonathan Harrison at center. Uh, I mean, there's a reason he hasn't been a starter throughout his career. There's a reason last year that the debts were hesitant to go to him, even when Spencer long couldn't snap the ball to at all to Sam Darnold. So it's, that is a major area of concern because um, not just because it'll be hard to win games and hard to get guys open. If the offensive line is, isn't strong, um you know, you have to worry at that point about how much of a beating is Sam Donald going to take, and that's not what you want from your 22-year-old quarterback. So I will say this: there's confidence inside the building that they're going to be fine on the offensive line and that it's going to be a really strong year for them. And, I mean, of course there is. Well, so they're going to say. But watching it as, as an unbiased observer from the outside, um just one injury in that line, and it could be a kind of snowball effect And and that would worry me um, majorly going into the season.
1: Let's shift to the defense, and we'll start with the secondary. It seems like mm-hmm. there's two halves of the secondary, the strong half, which would be Jamal Adams and Marcus May, the safeties, and the weak half, which would be Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson, the corners, in addition to Brian Poole and a couple of the other depth players. We may see Derek Jones try to step up. We may see that with Jeremy Wait. Clark, a couple of others. Talk to me about what you think is going to happen with the secondary.
0: Well, I mean, if you, if you go if you were to make a list of like the best Jets players, you get Jamal Adams, I think without question is the best Jet right now. Um, but if you were to make a list of the most important players for Jets coming into this season, I think it's true. Mane Johnson, he would be very high on that list because if he has another year like he had last year. It's the secondary is going to be a mess. Uh, you know, they have, Tremaine is the only established outside quarterback on, on the team right now. They're going to put Dale Roberts in the starting role. And while he was nice, he had some nice moments at time last year. It's a stretch to have him in that role. I mean, he was a backup behind Morris Claiborne and, and Johnson because he was the third best guy. And, it you know, at this stage in his career, it's hard to imagine him having made a major leap to be ready for that. So, And then the injury factor, again, in the secondary, uh, at cornerback, if the Jets lose... A cornerback, it's they're going to end up with an unproven guy out there, and the problem with that is, if you can't cover anybody, it doesn't matter how good the safeties are, uh, it doesn't matter how good the pass rush is. It is they're going to get burned on 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 quick plays. Deep off, opposing offenses are going to be able to find a way to exploit your your defense if if you're that weak in one position. So the Jets need Tremaine Johnson to look like the Pro Bowler. That he was a few years ago. Uh, that, that is one of the most important things for the team this season. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see Jamal Adams. I think Jets fans should be excited about him and if he can take another step. He's obviously already in elite, uh, safety in his league. So it's exciting to see where that's going to go. If, it'll be exciting to see Marcus May. This is such a huge year for him. Um, he needs to stay healthy. He, he obviously can play at this level. Um, as he's proven over the last few years, but, he needs to stay on the field for most of the season, uh, for the Jets to kind of breach their potential. And, you know, it'll be, this is what the Jets brought in Greg Williams for, right? To, to coach these guys up and make the most out of kind of, um, and not ideal or, or get the most out of players. And definitely the Jets don't have the depth they want, especially a cornerback, but maybe Greg Williams can do some creative things to kind of alleviate the pressure on, on some of these guys who aren't used to being in big roles and might be thrust into them this year. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: You mentioned the pass rush not being able to, in and of itself, mitigate the opposing offense's passing game. Obviously, you need defensive backs who can cover, and that's why you said Tremaine Johnson's going to be an X-factor this year. However, we do know that... If a pass rush is effective, if it can get to the quarterback and disrupt early on, it can certainly help because it can cover up a little bit for a subpar secondary. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the linebackers because the outside backers are going to be the ones that are going to have to try to get to the quarterback. We know Frankie Lubu is coming back, Brandon Copeland, Jordan Jenkins. Now you add in Ja'Kai Polite, the rookie out of Florida who they picked in the third round. And then from the inside, you've got C.J. Mosley coming in from Baltimore and you've got Avery Williamson coming back for his second year here to team with Mosley on the inside. So talk to me a little bit about this linebacker core and what you expect out of them this season.
0: Well, I think um, anybody who watched the Jets last year saw that they had serious communication problems in terms of guys getting open in the middle of the field and, and the defense not properly passing off guys, um, you know, receivers to the to the next guy who's supposed to cover. I think a lot of that will go away with Mosley back there. And I think, you know, that that is something that you can kind of count on because he's such an experienced player. He's he's, he's like a quarterback. Everybody you talk to tell, will, will tell you he's like the quarterback of the defense. So I think that's something to be excited about. And and you know, Williamson had a nice year last year too. So they've definitely improved it at at middle linebacker. On the outside, I mean, we know what Jordan Jenkins is. He, he's solid. He's not. He did lead the team in sacks last year, uh, which isn't really saying much, but. Uh, mm-hmm because it was only six and a half. But still, he has shown a, a little bit more of an ability to get the quarterback, but the Jets are going to need more than that. Um, and obviously, Copeland was a nice story and has emerged as, as a solid starter. Is Pallavi is going to be the guy to watch in that linebacking core, is, is he able to kind of take – I mean, I know they're going to probably use him on third down a lot in pass-rusting situations, but is he going to be able to – enough this season to where they can consistently use him in that role and maybe even expand that role to him being you know more of a, an everyday kind of linebacker. I mean he's going to be interesting to watch. Obviously he'd have to be very impressive to to move into that kind of role, but the skill is there. It's just cool to be if he can put it all together.
1: The defensive line is going to have to try to get to the quarterback as well and they're going to have to try and stuff the run up front. This is a unit that should be greatly improved from last season, mostly because they added the aforementioned Quentin Williams, who they drafted third overall out of Alabama. He'll be playing next to Leonard Williams, and then you've got Henry Anderson, all reliable Steve McClendon. Some of the younger guys are going to try and show something in the form of Foley Fadakasi and Nathan Shepard. So tell me about this unit. Do you think that Quentin Williams will be able to help lift Leonard Williams up to the level that a lot of people expected him to be at by now? And overall, what kind of impact do you expect this group to make?
3: Well, I think
0: it is one of the most interesting units on the team. And, and yeah, I think Quinn Williams is going to have an immediate impact because he's so big and athletic um, that he's he's going to create problems for for these offensive lines, and they're going to have to pay attention to him because if they don't, he's going to find a way to hurt them. That obviously will take some of the pressure off of, of Leonard Williams and and should find a way to, to let him make more of an impact. Um, obviously, Larry Williams is going to be motivated as he can be going into what is a contract year and a, and a chance for him to kind of prove that he is the guy the Jets thought they were drafting at number six overall um, a few years back. And he hasn't done that so far. So I, I think that combination where you're giving him some help and giving defense to somebody that if, if Quinn Williams gets off to a good start, um, Defensive opposing offensive lines are going to have to pay attention to him on every play. And, and that has to be good for Leonard Williams, uh, who's going to be motivated. So I think Leonard is due to have a good year, a big year and, and get to the quarterback. Um, like I said, it'll depend if the ball is still there when he gets to the quarterback, if, if, if the coverage is good enough to, you know, to hold that long enough. But um And then Henry Anderson's also an interesting guy. You know, how is it going to work? Are all three of these guys going to be on the field at the same time? Is is that going to be a liability for them because they're so big and and not super fast? I mean, that's interesting. But I think, you know, Anderson, who also had a big year last year and and earned himself some money, um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can continue to play at that level. Um, That's one of the things I'll be watching for.
1: One other thing that you'd have to be watching for is the coaching staff. You mentioned before about Greg Williams and the impact that he may have on this defense. It's been talked about a lot how Adam Gase is expected to really improve this offense, especially Sam Darnold going into his second year. Talk to me about how the coaching staff plays into all the previews of these positions that you just spoke about.
0: Well, yeah, I mean... I've said this many times before. I don't know how good the Jets are going to be this year, but I know they will be interesting. And a big reason for that is the coaching staff. I mean, all these guys are, are such dynamic and, and interesting personalities, kind of like the opposite of what you got with Tom Bowles and, and his staff. But it doesn't really mean anything unless they perform on the field. So, um yeah, I mean, there's an immense amount of pressure on Gates to kind of show right away what he can do with Darnold. And, and that's where it all starts, obviously, is – is, is he adjusting the offense in a way that is getting the most out of the, the Jets quarterback of the future? So on that side of the ball, um, and like I said with the receivers, I expect him to use these guys differently than what we saw in the past, and And it's going to be fascinating to see how he uses Bell and, and does he have him lying on the side sometimes, what kind of, what kind of wrinkles is going to be in there for, for him. Um, and then defensively, you know, Williams is a guy who definitely – we'll be able to motivate. And I think, you know, you've seen in previous stops that his, his welcome kind of wears out after a couple of years, but with, with this group, I think this is like exactly what they need. They need kind of that fire. They need, um, a guy who's going to be in their ear the whole time. And it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, the way that manifests itself on the field once they start hitting each other. And it's also going to be fascinating to see kind of Williams and his personality going up against Gates and his personality, um, you know, how do they manage that during trans camps? If the players are both on both sides of the ball are full tilt, is there going to be, you know, altercations? Uh, you know, is it going to get to the point where it hinders the team? Um, I mean, that, that's like, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And, and other coaches, you know, if things start going poorly, are they going to get along? Uh, so because there's so many intense personalities and, and, uh, you know, desire to win and, and, and big egos too. So, um, I mean, I think it's just a fascinating mix and, and it's going to be a really fun thing to watch this year. And kind of no matter how it goes on the field, it's going to be fascinating to see, uh, how it all works.
1: Andy, now that we've talked all about the position previews and what you think of the coaching staff before you go, I got to ask you this because you did report on the nets for several years. You're one of my favorite writers on the nets beat. So I wanted to pick your brain here. What do you think of what happened with the Nets, the Knicks, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, how the whole situation played out, and what do you think this is going to mean for basketball in New York going forward?
0: Well, I, like, I don't think Knicks are ever going to uh, not be a, a talked-about popular team. Um, and, and probably will always have a little bit more fan interest, no matter how successful the Nets are. But this shows that that doesn't really matter because – you know, two of the best free agents on the market just chose Brooklyn um you know over over the Knicks. Uh, clearly. There there's no question about that. So um the players obviously in the league respect the Nets. Um they respect what they're trying to build there. And I, I feel like Kyrie and, and Durant go in there, even though Durant won't be able to play for probably all of next season, I think it's kind of like a tipping point in a way for for the Nets in terms of they'd never been able to land that big guy. I mean, they landed Darren Williams in trade and got him to, to, to resign. Um, obviously that didn't go well. And this, this should go better than that, but they'd never really been able to track these top tier free agents. And, and people kind of laughed at the idea that they'd ever be able to, but, um, you know if you look at it objectively, they have better facilities. When you talk about their practice facility in Brooklyn, the Knicks, they have a better roster. They have a more stable general manager and, and coaching situation. And, um, you know, it's it's exciting, and it's going to be a huge deal if the Nets ever win a championship. Something that's talked about in New York sports for for years to come. Maybe it won't be as as a comprehensively joyous moment as if the Knicks had won, but I don't think anybody uh, in that Nets building will mind. And, and it's it's an exciting time for them going forward.
1: Going to be an exciting time for the Nets, and I think it'll be an exciting time for the Knicks, too, because they seem to be on the verge of at least going in a different direction. In the past, they would always compound their mistakes, but now I think that they have learned their lesson and they're trying to build from scratch. And It may take a while. It may work. It may not. But at least it's not the same crash-and-burn philosophy that they've had in the past. Andy, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I hope you'll come back soon, especially once training camp gets going. And I'm glad that we were able to talk a little bit about the previews that you're going to have up of all different positions that everybody's going to want to be looking at heading into training camp. So for anybody that wants to read the written version of this, which is going to be obviously much more in detail, why don't you go ahead and let them know where they can do that.
0: Yep, you can uh, go to NorthJersey.com and, and find the Jet page there, and, and that's where all the content will be. And I also I'm on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez. You can find me there as well.
1: Go ahead and follow Andy on Twitter, read his work over at northjersey.com, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's turn on the Jets Digital and turn on thejets.com.